sit back, relax, you got nothing to lose. What do you think I'm about to show you? The female of the species is more deadly than a male. Deadly. Only a movie, you can say it again. Just wait till you see what I did at the end. The female of the species is more deadly than a Hello everyone and welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror movies directed exclusively by women-identified directors, which prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. More Deadly is a trans-inclusive podcast. We celebrate the work of cis and trans women, as well as non-binary filmmakers who are comfortable being included in a space that centers the work of women. I'm your co-host, Rachel. And joining me is one of my favorite people on this entire planet, Ariel. Hi. Hey, are you excited about today? I'm so excited. I'm very excited about today. Yes. <laughs> we have been, this has been an event that has been, you know, in the works for a while. And so we're super, super excited because we have two amazing guests joining us. If you love horror and horror podcasts, you are probably already very acquainted with them and they're incredibly thoughtful and insightful takes on the genre we love. I'm, of course, talking about the brilliant, the hilarious, and dare we say, handsome, hosts of, queer, <laughs> hosts of Horror Queers, Trace Thurman and Joe Lipset. Welcome to the show, guys! Hello! Hello. Thank you for inviting us. Oh, I'm <laughs> so glad you said yes. Oh, always. I threw that invite out there and I wasn't sure I'd get a response, so it was wonderful to hear from you. You know, that's the second time that we've heard that in the past like couple weeks, and I'm oh, not going to really? lie, it's... um. It's nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. really? We've made that it, Joe. terrible. Are we not approachable? No, oh my God. no, what are we no. Doing? It's, it's because we've reached a level of, I'm assuming, know? fame yes. that they mm-hmm. think that we yes. might not like have like uh, not want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just know that your recording schedule is so busy with the amount of content you guys produce all the time that I was like, I don't know if they're going to want to say yes to this, but you did. I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> yes. well, you reached out early, and that's always a very wonderful thing. <laughs> so what oh, you're good. saying is not on October 1st is, is that <laughs> can I ask was that other person from dads from the crypt yes yes <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny we recorded with him last week and we oh were talking God. about this he's like I just oh, shot no. my shot they said yes and I was like, no way they probably so- hate us though because we were like we don't have time until like much much later <laughs> yeah. oh, no, no he was just all. excited about it so no, yeah. was he so- told me to tell you guys hi <laughs> I just moved. So we, we had like all of our July recordings. We moved to like April and May. And then Joe is on vacation for like most of September. So we crammed Amazing. our August with a bunch of those recordings oh, too. Oh, gotcha. Mm. Yeah. So it's just so been like that. <laughs> oh, just admit it. You're a big deal now. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, we're so excited to have you guys on. We love your show so much. We love you guys. But like, obviously, there's some chance one of our listeners just crawled out of a rock and you discovered podcasts can you tell our listeners a little bit about your show yes so we are a show that focuses on queer horror or uh 
it has some kind of camp element to it or it's just a film that we really love and then we bring the queerness to it but <laughs> yes <laughs> have queerness will podcast <laughs> mm-hmm. well at, at a certain point when we began this journey in 2019 we thought we would have enough content for about a year or two and then we would kind of run out of film so we needed to add that kind of addendum to the idea because we were like well we'll just then start doing movies we want to talk about and lo and behold we still have a list of like 300 movies that <laughs> oh, we wow. to cover because <laughs> shockingly enough they just keep making queer horror movies. Well, That's it, true. There it's yeah, also a thing, though. I mean, like, because like, y- y'all follow a similar format to what we do. You know, you'll, you'll kind of go through the production or, like, mm-hmm. you know, how the movie got made before you go into the plot. And um, w- in our research, it's like, we'll be like, oh, right, look, this director of this movie was gay. This writer mm-hmm. of this movie was queer. Um, this actor was queer, blah, blah, blah. And so even though there might not be explicit queerness in the film there's probably some queer factor involved either in front of or behind the camera. And if there's not, then yeah, as Joe said, we, we bring a queer reading to a film and that's it. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> your perspective. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and I, we haven't talked about it, but queer horror movies is such an incredible resource. I'm, I'm a writer who writes about queer things and I can't tell you how many times I've been like, oh, let me go here and look at what they got going on over here. Oh, yep, this person's gay. <laughs> I can talk about this. Yes. <laughs> so I want to give a shout out to that because that's an incredible, like I said, it's an incredible site. It's an incredible resource. If you're someone that is interested in, in understanding like the people behind the films and finding community even in, in the horror genre, I cannot recommend it enough. Joe, oh, wow. Thank you so much. Literally no one ever talks about I was my website. Say, <laughs> no one has ever I'm brought the that first. up. <laughs> I, I, I seriously, like, I... I I read it for a long time and then I one day made the connection. I was like, wait, Joe is Joe. Oh my God, the world is coming together. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> You're like, oh, this queer weirdo sounds familiar. Oh, wait. <laughs> awesome. Well, I want to just kind of get your perspective on things a little bit so that our listeners can understand kind of where you guys come from as horror fans. Can each of you tell us some of the horror movies that you love, especially? Like, where are you in the horror genre? Well, uh, oh God, like favorite horror films for me, like right now, I mean, my Mm -hmm. go-tos are always, um, Scream 2, the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, mm. I know, I know. It's it's not the original. Ho ho. Nice to be contentious. And, Credibility I mean, god. I know. No, I'm just, I'm just think, kidding. Like, <laughs> well, when people ask for a scary movie, so whenever people ask for a scary movie, one of my my go tos is always the 2013 film The Den, which kind of predated the uh, yes! the oh, screen yeah. life horror mm-hmm. like before Unfriended, mm-hmm. before searching all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And it's very like not very well known, and it's one of the few movies I've seen in the past decade to actually like legitimately scare the shit out of me mm-hmm. so it's always a go-to of mine i fucking love the den that yeah, ending is wild. Oh, boy. wild that whole movie <laughs> <laughs> and like 76 minutes long it is in and out <laughs> well, that's rachel's sweet spot anything as long time listeners is... <laughs> know i think every movie is too long <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. i'm like that short film could have been three minutes i'm just saying i'm just saying yeah. <laughs> i mean some movies need to learn how to use their runtime right like you yeah. don't need to well we recognize that production sometimes dictates runtime, but a lot of movies could stand to realize, oh, I don't have to hit 90 minutes to be an excellent feature. Like, yeah. sometimes 76 minutes will sell we'll the it. deal. Well, yeah. I, I say that, I mean, look, I pick those three movies because it's like, okay, cool. The Den is, like, legitimately scary. The Texas Chainsaw remake is pretty, uh, it, like, it symbolizes my love for remakes and just, like, you know, like 
slasher stuff. Mm-hmm. And Scream 2 is, you know, a slasher sequel, which I love. Um, but we're also talking about Scream 2, which is a two-hour long slasher sequel. <laughs> <laughs> and that movie could be another, like, twice as long, and I wouldn't care. Yeah, I love that movie, too. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> that just reminded me of something I love about your Patreon, that all the tiers are named after, like, Courtney Cox's hairstyle. Yes. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> if I didn't already love you, I would have been like, heart eyes, <laughs> the bangs. <laughs> <laughs> and the bangs are in quotes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that took us a while to perfect because we were like, well, which tier needs to be the highest and which one needs to be the lowest? And it was like, oh, oh uh-huh. well, obviously the bangs are going to be the $1 lowest level because <laughs> we cannot endorse that. <laughs> <laughs> but Joe, go, go, go. Uh, okay, so yes, obviously, Scream movies, I feel like there's just something so inherently queer about it, even if you didn't know mm-hmm. Kevin Williamson was a gay man, there's yeah. just right. something so queer-friendly about those movies, Yeah, and then, of course, people know about my obsession with Clyde Barker, so <laughs> I'm all about the Candyman, the Hellraiser, mm-hmm. I mean, I forced Trace to watch Lord of Illusions, because I think it's an interesting, complicated film, and he was like, Thank why you. are we watching a magic movie? <laughs> set in las vegas <laughs> it's, it's fine it, that movie has a lot of really good things in it but then also a lot of things where i'm like oh get it out <laughs> where well, does I scott mean, bacula fall on that scale oh my God, <laughs> a little bit of call me envy so good yes but i mean it's it's not a perfect film we'll say that yeah sure <laughs> Uh, and then I guess anything from like a creature feature like Trace and I really love yeah. slashers and creature features mm-hmm. because I don't know there's just so much potential in them like you can do a lot of fun things with them but you can also make them cheap and schlocky and just have a wild ride with them well and actually yeah because yeah so creature features for both of us we really hone in on aquatic horror so anything mm-hmm. with a water creature um mm. it's like joe loves deep rising which i do too oh, God, yes, but yes. like one of the things that i got to introduce him to uh, for one of my birthday episodes was zombievers and which is one of the funniest movies ever it, it's a movie that knows it's dumb but it's not mm-hmm. like yeah. obnoxious with how how it knows it's dumb if that makes mm-hmm. any sense mm-hmm. yeah it, that movie should be fucking movie. terrible and it is one of the funniest things i've ever seen in my life yeah it's so good <laughs> yeah that is a fun one ariel is quite the connoisseur of like so bad it's good Ooh, yeah it's yes. sort of a sweet spot for me i love those kind of movies so, so give, give us one of your favorites so bad it's good i well, want to know what you think is bad my absolute favorite here we go is, is tammy and the t-rex <laughs> i mean okay i made okay. all of the yeah. my fellow zombie girls watch that one with me they were not so happy that i paired it with a uh, velocipaster which oh my god velocipaster yes it's very fun <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid okay. no hold on all right because i, I Admittedly, I have not seen either one. I, I don't okay. know why. I, I don't know why I haven't seen Tammy or the T Rex because I keep wanting to buy that. I think it's an arrow set. Maybe it's maybe it's vinegar syndrome or something. But I think it's vinegar syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. yeah. But okay, because their Velocipaster is more recent. Tammy and yes. the T Rex is the nineties. Are are they a similar and like oh they're so bad they're good or is like is Velocipaster in that kind of obnoxious where it's like this is just bad? Territory. I think for some people Velocipaster edges into the it's just bad. Tammy yeah. and T Rex say so my name and say silly, my name. But I feel like most people would like. It. Plus you get baby nineties Denise Richards and oh, yeah. that's mm-hmm. always really fun. And Paul Walker, yes, in his and, little half shirt, you know. Well, and Denise Richards is one of those people too where it's like, look, I know that she may not be like the best actress in the world, but I feel like people come 
down on her a lot. Like she's in this group of actresses, like it's like her, Jessica Biel, some other people yeah. where it's like, oh, they can't act. They're just pretty mm-hmm. faces. And it's like, no, but like in the films that they do, like that they do, which Jessica Biel more so than Denise, Denise Richards, but Denise Richards always done exactly what is asked of her. And she's good That's at true. that. <laughs> yeah. She does what she's supposed to do in the movies mm-hmm. that she's in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I totally also agree. really need to hear your take on Byron, the queer character in it. So... Okay. Added to that, oh. I know you've got a three hundred word t- or name, t- you know, list of movies, but I feel like Tammy belongs in there. It's like yeah. spiritually queer, and then it's also queer inclusive. Oh. And Byron is kind of an, in my opinion, an interesting character, Not especially. I didn't know. I, I didn't know there was a queer character in that movie, actually. So. It's, it's really good. I mean, he falls into some definite 90s gay stereotypes oh, that sure. are sort oh, of a yeah. problem. But he also gets all the best lines in the movie. Mm-hmm. So he's also a really fun character, which makes it interesting to talk about. Yeah, okay. there's there's some there there, and yeah. it's also it's like a fun watch for sure. I don't have as much patience with the bad. It's good, but this is the exception to the rule. Well, or I'm delighted to also show it to other people just to watch them be like, "What the fuck?" So, <laughs> so Rachel, though, because the, 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 this is a distinction, though, right? Because Tammy and the T Rex again, without having seen it, I would argue is, yeah, it's just a bad movie, but you can find entertainment in it. Whereas mm-hmm. like something like Zombievers is a movie that is trying to be bad. Yes, that's so, true. again, like, do, do you draw a line there? Like, is it, are, are movies that are trying to be schlocky, trying to be bad, but like winky winky about it? Are those more palatable for you? I mean, it depends. Like, do the jo- jokes land? And I yeah. think Zombievers mm. is an example of they're in on the joke, but the jokes land. Like, I think Piranha yeah. 3D is another one that's, like, so bad it's oh, good. Because yes. they, oh, get, yeah. we, they get the we joke. We covered Slacks, too, and you loved that one, Rachel. I loved Slacks, yeah. Oh, I mean, see, that, that was one that I didn't think the humor landed for me very well. Oh, okay. That's no, fair. But, but no, but Piranha's a good one. Where, and, but compare Piranha 3D with Piranha 3DD. Because 3 D is a really bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> we do not speak of the double D. We don't speak of the double D. All right. Well, what are some films and filmmakers you guys think people are sleeping on that they should really be watching? I mean, I already kind of gave an answer, but I'm, yeah. I'm going to give The Den and the director, Zach mm-hmm. Donahue, who has not directed another feature-length film since then. He's he's doing like a uh, uh, oh god, not an audiobook, but like a narrative podcast kind of thing, which is oh, acting as a spiritual sequel to The Den. What? Yes. I had no idea. Yes, I know really about recent. this. Yeah, well, it like, just came out like last that. month. Um, <laughs> but 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 it's a thing where it's like you know I, I've seen The Den. I I think it's masterful. Honestly, it is a five star film for me. I think it's fantastic. And this man hasn't worked in. Uh, or, sorry, he hasn't directed a film uh, in the nine years since that film was released. Really? And it's like, Wild. Oh, I want more yeah. from him, please. Uh. <laughs> right. I mean, I feel like it, like you said, even a screen life joint. You know, I feel like he would be someone that people would want to go to for that. Well, since he it's was... a thing too. And like, I like both Unfriended movies. I really like the first one. I like the second one a lot. But the second one is kind of a rehash of mm-hmm. the Den. But mm, more mm-hmm. people know about it because it has a name brand attached to it. And so when people talk about Unfriended Dark Web, I'm always like, okay, cool. But please go watch The Den. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you guys seen Deadstream yet? Yes. I Ooh. really liked that a lot. That's interesting. It, I, I did too. More than I thought I would because right. it, it, on the surface, it has a very unlikable and annoying yes. protagonist in it. Yes. Yes. But – I found myself, like, charmed by him by the end of the movie. (laughs) Right? Right? On paper, he's the worst, like, Mr. I, you know, anti-cancel culture, which is bullshit Mm -hmm. doesn't exist. But 
But in the end, I was, yeah, I, I was on his side. And I think, I think it's because it's so self-effacing. Well, um, so everyone, because you don't know what this is, because it hasn't hit Shutter yet. But um, it yeah. is basically about a man who goes to a haunted house to live stream it because he has lost all of his followers from some mistake he made in a previous video. Mm-hmm. But the ghost and the house also wants followers. That's <laughs> <laughs> such a clever idea. <laughs> it's fun. I'm and, so glad you guys liked it. Yeah, it's really fun. That one's out in October, by the way. Yes, mm-hmm. on Shutter. I saw it at South by, and I've been yeah. waiting for someone to talk about it. With. Yeah, that's where I saw it too. I mean, did you do, like the virtual, or did you like? I go did the to virtual. No, I did virtual. Okay, I did virtual. Okay. Yeah, did you do it too, or did well, you? Well, I lived in Austin at the time. Oh, so right, yes. of course, of course. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so fun. Hopefully next year. Hopefully it'll be cool to go next year. I really mm-hmm. want to go. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of films and filming, or no, did it? Joe. Think, Joe didn't get a turn. I'm so sorry. Oh, see, well, you predicted it at the front of the show. <laughs> Filibuster. <laughs> but Joe. Uh, well, do you want me to mention female directors or do you want me to just do general? General. Just things you think people are, I mean, you're, you are an expert for better or for worse. I don't know if you consider yourself to be, but you are a bit so, as a super horror fan. You're an expert. What are some <laughs> films that people may have missed that they're sleeping on or directors that are doing amazing work that nobody's talking about? I mean, one of the things that I really gained an appreciation from is having to work with Kay Lynch of Salem Horror Fest mm-hmm. on our Fright Down Kay. fundraiser. Uh-huh. She's amazing. She's like yeah. fucking one of the hardest women working in the industry. Mm-hmm. But um, we we deliberately wanted to pick independent horror films for this year's program because we feel like a lot of people just sleep on films unless they're being released by, you know, Shudder or... That's true, um, yeah. You know, they get missed. the Blumhouse and so on. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not just... It's not a knock against any of the, the bigger budgeted films, but I think there's just, like, this plethora of really interesting independent films or, like, micro-budget films that are doing some really innovative, complicated things. So... It was fun to kind of scour films that have come out recently, and we obviously picked ones that were specifically queer, but mm-hmm. a lot of the films that we wound up programming have really interesting, nuanced, weird things to say about society at large, and they just don't have like millions of dollars to say it. So sure. you have to be willing to watch things that sometimes are a little bit rougher around the edges, but not always like the production level on independent films. When you start to get into them is surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So did you have a, a director or a film? <laughs> <laughs> choice of being an asshole so, uh, it's more of a state of like, mind like <laughs> well we tried to go for a range that's why i didn't sort of pick one out particularly but i am very excited because uh folks will have hopefully already watched along with us by the time this recording comes out but i'm making trace watch an absolutely <laughs> wild film called exploited which is like mm. basically tackling campus rape culture this oh is double okay. feet. But it's doing it in an extremely messy contemporary way. Like, MFA has a good polish to it. It knows Mm -hmm. what it wants to say. Exploited is like, what is going to shock people and also maybe instigate some discussion. But it'd be interesting to pair with something like last year's Initiation, which Trace and I were huge fans of. And people need to seek that fucking film out. Initiation rules. And I have to say with the Exploited thing, so like... 
my husband, uh, he, he, he used to be in like the journalism industry, especially horror stuff, and he's not really anymore, but he obviously still watches a lot of horror. He watched Exploited earlier this year, and he kept telling me about it, and I was like, I don't, I've never heard of this, I don't need to see it, whatever. And then, like, two months later, Joe starts telling me about it, and I'm oh like, my what the gosh. fuck is this movie? <laughs> because by all accounts, to, according to both of them, it's not particularly good, but it's very watchable. <laughs> okay! It's just, it like, works, it's you know? messy. And... You have to be willing to have a film that's, like, going to do things wrong, mm-hmm. but it's always interesting. Hmm. Right. I'm especially excited by your recommendations because, you know, I think as horror fans, we've seen a lot of stuff, and it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to see, see things that shock or surprise us anymore. So if this is having that reaction from your husband, from both of you guys, that to me is a ringing endorsement that we need to get exploited on our eyeballs. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Awesome. It's on and Tubi. I'll... Oh, is it, Oh, is it currently on Tubi now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. I think we'll be checking that out very soon. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right, cool. Well, in addition to all of these excellent suggestions, you guys picked a movie for us today. We're going to be talking about MFA, directed by Natalia Leite. What made you guys pick this one? So this was my pick. And it's in part because Trace and I realized that, especially over about the last year, we've had so many conversations about sexual assault and Mm. rape. And, like, to the point where we almost started to joke, like, oh, we're covering this movie. Oh, my God, there's another sexual assault in it. And it it kind of gets exhausting, but then you realize it's because it's also permeating the culture. Like, we are having the conversations, but also, more importantly, we're starting to get a better, diverse representation of filmmakers, a.k.a. women, (laughs) making these movies for a fucking change. It's not all men all the time. But we really saw it come to the forefront when Promising Young Woman came out last year. We saw a lot of comparisons between MFA as like, if you're hating Promising Young Woman, you need to be checking out MFA. And Trace Mm -hmm. was very much an advocate for that. He said, this is doing a lot of the same things, but I think MFA is actually a more complicated film. And I had never seen it. Like, I'd heard of it principally because of my work on like grim magazine and anatomy of a scream i saw a lot of articles and pitches coming in around rape revenge and mfa Mm. was one of those and i was like what is this movie i've never even heard of it (laughs) i didn't even realize it was so contemporary i thought it was from like the early 2010s because i actually caught it at south by southwest this did south by southwest in 2017 actually i think it screened about six months before revenge started doing the festival circuit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think those are both very comparable films too not just because they have female directors but um but yeah promising which i'm assuming y'all have y'all seen promising young woman yep we have yeah okay Okay. ariel Um, watched it last night Okay. <laughs> well, so, so you can see the, the parallels yeah. between yes. these two films. While I agree with the, the general outline of what is happening in the, both of these films are very similar, they're both doing very different things. Because I do True. think that MFA mm-hmm. d- goes the more, let's say, conventional route in the rape revenge mm-hmm. territory. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, and oh, I'm trying not to really spoil anything with Promising a Woman, but it's more of a thing where the ending of that movie, which I do think is unsatisfying and anticlimactic, um, for me, the point of that was to kind of show the audience uh, like give you a taste of what it feels like to be a sexual assault survivor and not be able to get your get, get your rapist like out mm-hmm. like, get him killed or sure. get, get him in jail or anything so you know you're watching this and you're like oh but that's not fair and it's like yeah that's the point because yeah. it's not fair <laughs> right right i think these movies have are speaking to different parts of the audience for yes. sure 
Mm-hmm. Or, or they're, they're trying to give, give off different feelings at the end of the day. It's interesting. I know Promising Young Woman is, is pretty well loved, but mm-hmm. in my circle of friends, it's almost on a gender line how people okay. feel about it in our mm-hmm. group. Because I do feel like for them, they're like, oh, I understand rape culture now. For Ooh. the very smart, very, you know, politically, you know, left dudes in our life who we adore mm-hmm. and are absolutely feminist it was this amazing sort of encapsulation of what rape culture looks like so they were like this movie's oh. brilliant and then all of my girlfriends were like no fuck this movie <laughs> <laughs> i was I promised can... a delicious dessert and instead i got a shit sandwich i can bad. see that <laughs> i can so totally see that because to mm-hmm. me promising young woman is a movie and i i really liked promising young woman i i thought it was really well done but i also mm-hmm. completely understand why it doesn't work especially for a lot of women because that movie is so candy colored and kind of glossy like it goes mm-hmm. down really easy until you get to that end where I think it is divisive, mm-hmm. but it also sometimes feels like it doesn't actually want to interrogate or complicate the notion of sexual assault, of rape culture, of misogyny, and all these other, yeah. like, really, at the end of the day, super complicated things. It wants to kind of distill them into an easy-to-digest message. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing, though, and, like, I... I, I, I... I almost feel like Promising a Woman, as you say, y'all said, you know, it's like, uh, oh, guys are getting, oh my God, I get rape culture now. To me, Promising a Woman is almost like an after school special piece that's meant to educate men. Or give men empathy for what, as close as you can possibly get, because obviously, like, no man that has not been sexually assaulted is going to truly know what it feels like to be raped. But that movie is doing its best, I think, to, to make them feel as mm-hmm. empty and hollow as a woman would feel or as a person would feel, I'm sorry, after a sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's why there is some part of me that even though it's not a movie for me, I'm glad that it, for some people, is a right. movie that speaks to them. I don't have to love it to, to appreciate that, like, mm-hmm. for some people, this is a really important film. It, for it, me, it, it was serves a, a purpose, tough one. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, so, it like, serves a purpose. And I think for, you know, a good 80% of the film, it really is trying to say some interesting things. For mm-hmm. me, it just didn't work in the end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, so then moving it over to this. Yes. Because so was this the first time watch for all of you? Not for me. For me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get into it. That's a good <laughs> great segue. You're like good at this. You should start a podcast or something. <laughs> <laughs> so. Ariel, you have the background and production information on this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about MFA? I will. Before I do that, I just want to let you guys know what our spoiler policy is. I'm bad at this. I should not have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I'm here, too. That's why there's two of us. So, yeah. So I'm going to tell you guys about the director and the production of the movie. And then the four of us are going to give you our general overall thoughts of whether this movie is worth checking out before we spoil the whole damn thing. (laughs) So we'll give you a warning and let you know if it's time to step out if you don't want it spoiled. Or you can stick around and uh, listen to the whole thing. And you can watch MFA on, is it HBO Max? Uh, I watched it on Prime. 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 Yeah. Amazon yeah. Prime. I was going to say, so oh, good. Watch... It'll still be around then. R.I.P. Batgirl. All right. So let me tell you a little bit about Natalia Leite. So 
Before I get into this, I just want to put out the warning that we are going to be talking about a rape revenge movie today. And so in the research, I'm going to be talking about sexual assault and we'll obviously be talking about it in our review. So if you're not in a place where it would be healthy for you to hear that stuff, then I would suggest bowing out and coming back for our next episode. Yeah. Okay. But don't go because Joe and Trace are here and they're like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I no, agree with that whole thing. No, that, that, that's fair. That, that is very fair. And heed that warning, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Natalia Leite is a queer Brazilian director, screenwriter, and actor who grew up in Sao Paulo, Brazil. She left Brazil and went to San Francisco Art Institute, where she studied visual art. And she knew that she wanted to be creative and really tell stories, but she quickly realized that it was not the medium for her, and she started getting into film by assisting other directors. She went on to make several short films and created the production company Purple Milk with her creative partner, Alexandra Roxo. Together, the two made documentaries for Vice Media, including a gonzo-style shoot where they posed as dancers and went to work at a truck stop strip club in New Mexico. And this video has been viewed more than 13 million times on YouTube. It was very popular. Yeah, that sounds amazing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So together, they also created the comedy web series Be Here Nowish and produced Natalia's first feature screenwriting and directorial debut called Bear in 2015. It is a queer romance set in a truck stop strip club based on what she (laughs) saw when they shot that original film for Vice. Wait, I'm sorry. Uh Mm-hmm. Do you have the cast list for this movie? Because I would love for Joe to hear the cast of this movie. <laughs> so, yeah, I was waiting because I was wondering if you would recognize these names. The first uh, star is Diana Ergen from Glee. Uh, okay. mm-hmm. And the second is Paz de la Huerta. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> <laughs> I listened to you guys' episode on Nurse a few weeks ago. And I was like, oh, they're going to recognize this name. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Of oh, my God. Uh, de la Huerta. The gift that keeps on giving, pause de la Huerta. <laughs> you know what? I'll just, I'll say it again. I love my fucking job. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I have to tell you guys, I was having a really bad day one day and I had a very long Uber trip home and I put on that episode and listened to it. I've never seen that movie. I had never even heard of it. (laughs) It was so funny though. You guys got to one point where you said... Um, that you were really championing a dickissance in movies and television. <laughs> and I laughed so hard that my Uber driver literally like whipped his head around to look at me like I was crazy. <laughs> it was so funny. I just love how the crazier that movie gets, you guys got to a point where you're just like, I don't know what's going on here. And the other one would just be like, nurse. It's just nurse. <laughs> it's just nurse. Because <laughs> that, that may, I, I won't t- tangent too much, but that's a movie where um, my husband and I actually, we, we discovered that and Zombievers around the same time. Oh, wow. And so we went through like a year period where we would just keep double featuring Zombievers and Nurse 3D to show people. <laughs> we would, <laughs> we would like trap them and like, hey, come over for a movie night. We're, oh we're going to pick the movies. And we would just show them Zombievers and Nurse. <laughs> <laughs> That is so funny. <laughs> How do you get on the guest list? <laughs> I'll bring wine. Like, By all, means. <laughs> all right. So Natalia's second feature film was MFA, the movie we're reviewing today. It came out in 2017, after which she mostly worked in TV, directing episodes of shows like Minx, Love Victor, and In the Dark. 
Oh wow! As, okay. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. been doing pretty well. But as for what she's going, what she has going on next, it doesn't look like she has any immediate plans to direct another feature film Boo. or do anything in the horror genre. Mm. But she's directing an upcoming episode of the newest season of The Handmaid's Tale, which is coming out mm. in September. Oh, oh well, mm. sexual I mean, assault and <laughs> yeah. horror yeah. adjacent. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very on brand for her. All right. So as for the making of MFA. Screenwriter Leah McKendrick wrote the script in 2014 after seeing countless news stories about young women being raped on college campuses and then how terribly they were treated afterward. She was trying to find the the right director to helm the project, and after seeing Natalia's previous work, she sent her the script. So Natalia connected with the screenplay right away. The topic was kind of in the front of her mind because she had been reading about the Brock Turner case. Yeah. Yeah. And she had just watched The Hunting Ground, which if you've never seen it, is a documentary about the prevalence of rape on college campuses and the retaliation and harassment that students faced as they tried to get justice. It's a really good documentary, but also very hard to watch. It's very hard to watch, but really good. Yeah, exactly. So she also connected to this script in a really personal way, too. Because Natalia herself had been sexually assaulted while attending art school, much like the main character in MFA. She's described reading the script as surreal because so much of it lined up with her own personal experience. And she immediately recognized that telling her story kind of on her own terms could be really powerful. She said in an interview with Kate Erbland for IndieWire, quote, I hadn't really been vocal about my own experience because I just did not want to be that girl when it happened. I was ashamed and for a lot of reasons just didn't talk about it. This is me being able to go back and process it and speak openly about it, even to my own family. So screenwriter Leah McKendrick, who also plays Skye in the film, was really happy to allow Natalia to make changes to the script so that it was more reflective of her own experience. There weren't huge changes, but she did make some. And then Francesca Eastwood, who plays the main character, Noelle, even wore some of the director's clothing That's in wild. the film. Oh, and wow. she dyed her hair black and got bangs that were modeled after the way that Natalia wore her hair when she was in art school and this had happened to her. Wow. And, uh, I, I mean, so she is Clint Eastwood's daughter, but I was like, yeah. she doesn't look like Clint Eastwood, but I didn't also realize that her mother was Frances Fisher. And I was like, yes, oh. right. Now it's now all it making sense. sense. There it is. <laughs> Those eyes. I went on the exact everything. same journey. <laughs> I had to look it up. <laughs> So she also used her own hands in one of the scenes where Noelle is drawing. They actually filmed Natalia's hand sketching in that mm. scene. Oh. Actually, creating the rape scenes for this movie was really challenging. Natalia worried that it would dredge up emotions about her own assault that she had really tried to bury. And she was pretty terrified about having to share her own experience, even just with the cast and crew. Mm. So... She wasn't sure initially how much she wanted to show. And I'm sure we'll get into this in our review, mm-hmm. you know, about how we think she handled it. But there were versions where they didn't show as much of the rape as they do in the actual movie. It, most of it was implied. But huh. ultimately, yeah, but ultimately she decided to show more of it, but like remove the male gaze that she felt mm-hmm. was so prevalent in a lot of rape revenge films made mm-hmm. by men. She right. watched a lot of them in preparation for this. Fun. And I can't even imagine how awful that would be. It's like, cool, I'm doing research for my feature film. I want to make sure that I'm like thoughtful about this, but also cool. Let me just re-traumatize myself over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine how difficult it would have been. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, she talked in interviews about how some of those rape scenes in those other movies are so sexualized that they almost become pornographic. And obviously, she wanted to avoid that. So instead, she wanted it to feel raw and emotional so that the audience would understand what Noelle was going through, but Mm -hmm. not have that overly sexualized edge to it. So when it came to actually filming it, the two actors involved in the scene, Francesca Eastwood and Peter Vack, spent a lot of time talking about it so that they would feel comfortable with each other. They shot the whole thing on a closed set and made sure that Francesca in particular trusted that she could tell them what she was and was not okay with. She said that initially, Natalia had dealt with her own assault by really just burying it. Mm -hmm. But making this film, she has talked about in many interviews as it helping her to face her fears head on, kind of give her a platform to express herself in a way that actually ended up being really therapeutic in the end. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it was really hard for her, but that if she came away with it feeling positive about the experience. Mm, That's good. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So they shot the film in 2016, and it premiered, like you were talking about, at South by Southwest in 2017, where it was nominated for the Grand Jury Prize and the Game Changer Award. And then it was released on October 13th, 2017, which just happened to be the same month that the Weinstein scandal hit the news. (laughs) 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 I'm kind of surprised we didn't hear more about this then. Like, the timing is so... But... I do want, I mean, because again, like mm-hmm. uh, when it gets released in a wide release, that's when Revenge is doing its festival mm. run. And so I do wonder, that's not to say we get to like, put, pit two rape revenge films against each other. Oh, but we um, love to put women against each other. <laughs> that's but, true. But I do think it's that Revenge. It's the American way. <laughs> but, but Revenge received like a much like like, like widespread acclaim. Whereas yeah, this one was true. like, yeah, it's good. Like. The, that that seems to be the <laughs> case. A little more yeah. <laughs> yeah. So obviously they did not plan to have it come out the same month as the Weinstein scandal information came out. You know, they had made this movie the year prior before they knew any of this stuff was happening. But it did make the film seem almost prescient. And mm-hmm. Natalia and Leah were really proud to actually be a part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Because the film came out at the same time as all of these women were coming forward with their stories and Me Too had started, it seemed to have a really big impact on audiences. So at a post-screening Q&A in Montreal, a woman even came forward and shared the story of her own sexual assault with the whole audience. Wow. Yeah. In that same IndieWire interview I quoted from earlier, Natalia said, quote, other women are giving us the courage to speak up and show how prevalent this issue is. As long as people are talking, I feel like I've done a good job. If it's spurring the conversation, then already one woman in the audience is changed by it. Then great. It's already a success story. I have a question. Um, sure. So I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I mean, cause I know we'll talk about this more as we get more in about how, mm-hmm. you know, like creators sharing their personal experiences. Do they have to have this shared experience to like tell these stories? Yeah. I actually wasn't aware, and I probably should have been, that the writer is, is Sky. Mm-hmm. Do you have any information on whether or not Sky has any real life history of sexual assault? She does assault? not. Okay. No, she's talked in interviews about the fact that she did not, but she was just sort of at the time feeling really overwhelmed by the number of stories that she was finding in the news, that it seemed like it's constant onslaught and it felt mm-hmm. like something... That she needed to get out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that she picked a director who at the time she didn't know had such a personal connection to the material and it ended up lining up so right. perfectly. Yeah, I mean, and we'll, again, get into it more. But I, I, I'm of two minds when it comes sure. to the, you know, creator has to have gone through this yeah. to tell this kind of story. Mm-hmm. I think that that's great. That enhances the material. But I'm also not like, no, you have to have like been raped <laughs> to tell no, a story right, about right, rape. Of right, course. Right. <laughs> right. So MFA got a mostly positive reaction when it first came out, but it did face some backlash from people who were not keen on women exacting revenge. Oh. So, get the fuck out of on here. the internet. No, what? sorry. I'm, what? You know what? No, I'm going to back that off because I know that there are that there are sexual assault survivors who also feel this way. So I'm I'm not going to make any inferences about who's saying that and why because some people may have very valid reasons. Yeah, I mean, I think there are valid reasons to stay away from this material if it's not oh you absolutely know, a safe yeah. place well, for you to view things. But that's also why we have the sky character in this movie. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a good point. That's a good point. So in an interview with Film Daily, Natalia said, quote, at a few of our screenings and in festivals, some people have been like, but did she really have to kill them? Like, don't you get it? She wasn't getting any support from the system. I'm not like pro go kill guys, but you see men doing bad things in films all the time and we love them. We're on their side. Mm -hmm. There are so many examples and feature films where men do bad things and we root for them. How is this any different? It's- yeah. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. The this was even a complaint that was raised. I know. I know. And, and, and I would maybe, maybe get it if it was like, oh, we don't know if these guys actually raped women. No, no, no. Oh, they're all so guilty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what the fuck is the issue? Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's, it's because kind we of don't always using. like the idea of women killing nope. people, right? Like, yep. uh, it, I think it feeds into some of the misogyny. Like, just mm-hmm. speaking from my own experiences, conversations that I've had with friends, which is obviously very general and incredibly subjective, but I've I still find that it's like, oh, well, women can't have any bloodlust. Women can't be villains. Like, women yeah. don't have the physical strength. And you're just like, shut yeah. the fuck <laughs> up. I want to see a yeah. woman destroy men. But I'm not just, going to apologize for it. But this film, I mean, again, if, if you hear rape revenge movie... Nine times out of ten, you know the kind of movie you're going to get. Right. So right. why are you going to go you're into walking a re- into this? Unaware. Well, why are you going to go into a revenge <laughs> movie and be like, "Well, did we really need the revenge part?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I just want the rape. That's really all I want. Oh my god. Mm. I <laughs> mean, I will get into telling, that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So the rest of the quote was, it's hard for people because they're not used to seeing women doing these things and it messes with their morals. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I want to support her because she's going off and killing people. Oh my God, but she this... was horrifically raped and the guys are really bad. <laughs> this is, I, mean, this is, like, I know that everyone has different opinions. Everyone has different mindsets, different life experiences. But there is literally like, it's one of those things where I'm like, how could anyone walk into this movie and be like, yeah, she's really, um, no, she shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, it's always wild to me when it's also about films too. Like, do you, am I, in real life, do I want to see somebody go on a murder spree? No, but we are yeah. in a space of fiction. Yes, it pulls from real life things, but this is where we work this shit out. Yeah, like, we need to have the room to do all of the subversive and transgressive and like 
cathartic. things that we cathartic things we need you know to be able to have the space to do that it within the confines the safe confines of film mm-hmm. yeah. so like everyone take a breath <laughs> it's gotta <laughs> be okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, and all the rest of the pearl, pearl clutchers too. Yeah. <laughs> pearl clutching knows no gender. <laughs> I mean, look, this rape scene happens at the ten minute mark of this movie, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, it gets yep. into it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So this film also at the time got a super harsh review from Film School Rejects after it premiered at South by Southwest. They described the film as exploitative and absurd and called it "quote a Tumblr directed I spit on your grave." What? <laughs> God. Okay, but, but, Wild, I spit, right? but I spit in your grave is also exploitative and absurd. So, yeah. yes, <laughs> like, yeah. like to the max. Yeah. Also, I, I challenge because I don't think that exploit, like exploitation, to me is not a negative descriptor. Yeah. They're definitely using it in a negative way. Yeah, they are. I do Absolutely. think that this movie has elements of exploitation in it, but I don't think mm-hmm. that's a bad thing. Yeah. 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 Particularly in Agreed. that third act. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, that's actually what we're there for. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to close this out by reading another quote. I know I just read a long one, but, no, <laughs> but Rachel and I have had the pleasure of interviewing a lot of women directors since we started More Deadly. And one of the questions that we like to ask them is, what advice they would give to young women who want to direct films. Mm. So Hooligan Magazine actually asked her what she would say to young LGBTQ plus women. And she said, quote, don't wait for approval. Don't apologize. Don't compromise your vision. And if you love it, don't ever stop. Also, if someone ever questions your authority, even subtly, just because of your gender, sexuality, or age, stick it to them and prove them wrong. (laughs) I really like her. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, she sounds like a badass. Mm. <laughs> that's great. It's, I'm looking at her Wikipedia page right now, and like her her picture that's on there is just her like on a panel, but she looks so determined. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she so does girl. in like every interview. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic all right great well that was awesome ariel uh, you always mm-hmm. do such a great job with the research i, oh, I always love this part where i just sit back and get to listen <laughs> and learn <laughs> oh so does ariel get... not wrap up her production history by being like and there we go i'm done <laughs> i mean <laughs> we're trying to look like we know what we're doing right now we're no, showing okay. off for company <laughs> he is fucking with me because he, for the first like three years of our podcast he's like trace it's yes and you can't just say yes and end the sentence you have to build off of what i'm saying and i'm like i'm not good at that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know if we are, are we good at that ariel i don't know you're that supposed to like... say yes and we are. <laughs> It's a work in progress. We'll we'll keep finessing. I need to take an improv class or something. Oh, God. My nightmare. That's literally my hell. (laughs) All right. I need an occupation. I need an activity. (laughs) Two different types of characters who wouldn't normally interact. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's get into our non-spoilery review. Since you are our wonderful guests, I would love to hear from you, Joe and Trace. You know, what are your overall thoughts of this film? And would you recommend, obviously? I'll go first. Okay. Uh, I, I really, really, really like this movie. Um, and I know we've referenced Promising a Woman at the top of the episode, but it's a thing where when I was watching Promising a Woman, all I could think of was, man, this is a lot like MFA, <laughs> but I kind of like what MFA was doing better. And this is not to like shade Promising I, I do like sure. Promising a Woman a lot, but um, I just... 
I like the grittiness of this, and mm-hmm. as a cisgender male person, like I- I'm always loath to be like, I really do like rape revenge films. I like watching them. I don't like watching the rapes, obviously, but like mm-hmm. I I do get catharsis out of them. This is a I really really like this movie. I think it tackles a lot of interesting avenues um, again with morals and ethics um, about a multitude of things. Be it the rape itself, be it um, you know, what do you do after a rape? What about when a when a rape survivor doesn't want you to quote unquote help them? I mean, like mm-hmm. th- this film raises so many questions that it doesn't really give easy answers to, mm-hmm. but. I think inspires a lot of questions that you want to talk about afterwards. Like, I mean, again, I remember walking out of this movie in theaters and being like, I just want to talk about this with yeah. everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I understand that feeling. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, again, for, for a woman who's uh, is her second feature film, I think this is a very accomplished and assured directorial effort. And um, it's not perfect, but I really admire a lot of what it's doing. Yeah. 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 How about you, Joe? Uh, okay, so this was a first-time watch for me, but obviously Trace had given me the kind of heads-up when we've been having discussions. I, too, uh, enjoy, in air quotes, rape-revenge films, mm-hmm. uh, particularly this sort of new crop in the last five years or so of female-directed rape-revenge films. I feel like we're having more interesting conversations, more complicated, more nuanced, more... Mm-hmm. just more everything with these films, um... And I like that they're all sort of doing their own thing. And this one included, like, I, I agree with Trace. I think there's a lot of controversial and it feels like a perspective that we're not always seeing is being included in this film. This mm-hmm. isn't just, okay, we have to get through the rape and then we get to see her revenge. It's so much mm-hmm. more complicated than that. And I like that the film is comfortable getting down into the messiness because... Yeah rape and rape culture and misogyny are not simple concepts like especially in the world of this film we we need to unpack it it's important that we get those different kinds of perspectives and i think that the film handles that really well in a way that doesn't leave you feeling all satisfied at the end like i think it's important that we still feel uncomfortable and not entirely Mm -hmm. satisfied with where this movie ends Mm -hmm. but it's like a strong recommend Okay, I definitely want to unpack the ending because I'm kind oh, yeah. of still yeah, kind of too. processing my feelings about it. Yes, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about this on the show before. You know, for a very long time, I was not a fan of rape revenge films. Mm-hmm. You know, I could I could see why other people found catharsis in it, but it wasn't necessary. I wasn't necessarily one of them. The oh, yeah. bar for entry was too high for me to get to the catharsis place. Right. Um, yep. And a lot, especially the early ones, felt it was almost like this weird perversion of the Hayes code where you know we're in those How films bad like can we make it <laughs> well i mean it was like you, you they could show villainy they could show bad behavior but so long as we could add this little moral button on the end where they get a bad ending right mm-hmm. this is almost to me it always felt like the the revenge was always a wink and an uh, a permission structure to watch the rape Right. Uh, yeah, in right. a way that, and so that's why it kind of just, it undercut the opportunity for catharsis for me. And MFA was one of the early films, along with something like Hard Candy, American Mary, mm. oh, Teeth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
or all movies that began like kind of challenging my feelings about the subgenre. And it's become weirdly one of my favorites now. But it's it's like you said, it's about having different perspectives. It digs into a deeper place and says things about systemic structures and injustice. And like, let's face it, you know, I'm a total SJW. So I love that kind of shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I, and we're, we're going to come into it later. I'm really excited, quote unquote, to talk about this rape scene. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I think we absolutely yeah, need to talk about it, especially now that I have more context around it, because I do mm-hmm. think it manages to thread an impossible needle, you know? Ooh, so. but, see, but see, though, you're saying, like, now, now that I have context, I'm like, oh, but let's talk about that, because why is that context necessary, or is it necessary? I, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I, your enthusiasm is delightful now. to me. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I think the irony of the, you know, this being the daughter of, of Dirty Harry is kind of funny. I don't know. It doesn't really mean anything, yeah. but it just... Mm-hmm kind of ironic oh my god i hadn't even thought about that you're so right (laughs) yeah yeah i I think this movie is if you are someone who does have an appreciation for the genre or an interest in the genre this one must be on your list yes must be yeah yeah i would agree how about you yeah i totally feel the same way it's interesting because when it came out when mfka came out i didn't watch it because at the time the only rape revenge movies i had really seen were things like i spit on your grave and last house on the left and Mm -hmm. i just was not prepared to sign up for that. Mm. So I just put it on the back burner. And then I figured while we're doing this new podcast, it'll come up eventually. So I just didn't watch it. <laughs> Someone it will did. force me to watch <laughs> this. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. sound a lot like Joe, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. A podcast can be a great way to just explore and, and even confront your personal boundaries, right? Because yes. especially if you're doing it with somebody else and someone that you trust that you know is not just going to like be picking things willy-nilly and then glibly discussing mm-hmm. them. Like if you can... If you can go into it with a guarantee, like, we are going to interrogate this, it will be a valuable conversation to have, then picking things that are outside of your comfort zone can be really helpful because you're you're almost creating a quote-unquote safe space for yourself to, like, really negotiate that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, no, that's a really good point. And, you know, over the last, like, I don't know, a few years or so, movies like Revenge and Violation, Amulet, The Nightingale Mm -hmm. have really showed me how much I actually like this subgenre when it's done well. Mm -hmm. And I definitely think that MFA falls into that category where it got me thinking about things. I think it showed a lot of, like you guys were saying, complex discussions and nuanced discussions about rape that I done in ways that I hadn't really seen before and in a setting I hadn't seen before and that all that made it interesting on top of the fact that Francesca Eastwood is mesmerizing to watch yeah she's fantastic her her transformation from point A to point B in this film is just it's it's believable of course but yeah yeah, she's really really good in this yeah she's great and I think I just really like that it paints such a complicated picture of rape and the different types of reactions of sexual assault survivors Mm -hmm. and also just how pointedly it critiques the power structures that Mm -hmm. allow men Mm -hmm. to continue to do this Mm -hmm. and but it the occasional woman right yes and the occasional woman yes without the movie coming across like a psa yes you know right yeah Yeah. this movie doesn't feel preachy and that is so important yes exactly yes All right, great. Well, I have a little synopsis that I'm going to give now. This is where we're getting into spoilers. And then after the synopsis, well, I mean, the synopsis has some spoilers in it, but then (laughs) it's going to be, we're going straight to the rape scene, I think. (laughs) 
So you have been warned. This is me vamping and giving you all the time you need to find that phone and hit pause because you should definitely watch the movie and come back and listen to this or screw it. Just listen to it. All right. So synopsis. Noel, uh, Francesca Eastwood, is a shy art student who is flattered and excited when Luke, the hot guy in her class, invites her to come over to his house party. The night starts off well. I mean, that is if you want to be talked at about art <laughs> mediums, I guess. <laughs> really getting into sculpture. Like, just imagine 20 foot versions of this. <laughs> he does come to it, though. He's like, oh my God, did I just spend like a minute talking about what my art studio is going to be like? <laughs> yeah, but then he says, oh, but I was really enjoying the conversation. What conversation? You were talking yes! at her. <laughs> she didn't say a word the whole time. Oh, yes. Sorry, He's... as we talk over you, my apologies. No, 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 no. I appreciate I'm glad it's not just me. So the night, unfortunately, takes a turn and she ends up being assaulted by him. She has no one to turn to in the aftermath that she can go to. Well-intentioned people tell her to stay quiet. The counsel at her school immediately re-victimizes her. The support group that she would turn to on campus has no interest in doing anything radical. One thing leads to another that results in the accidental death of Luke. Rather than feel regret about it, it inspires her, it inspires her work, and uh, leads her on essentially a series of vigilante murders on the campus for the plethora, apparently it is a target-rich environment on that campus, <laughs> of men on the campus whose rapes have been reported or not, and but gone unpunished. Meanwhile, police, somewhat bumblingly, are on the case, investigating the campus slasher and closing in on her. And that's what I've got. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right. Let's get into our spoiler heavy conversation. Fellas, where do you want to start? I mean, I, do, do, do y'all want to start with the rape? Is there anything before the rape well. scene you'd like to talk about? Um, <laughs> I mean, we can go right for it. Yeah, I think let's just go for it. I think we got to get into it. I so I, I guess my first thing is so again Rachel because you mentioned that you were like oh like you know I had context for it which I think to me implies like okay cool so I know that the director of this film had suffered a sexual assault uh, and I feel better that knowing that she's filming this she's mm. doing this with that with that kind of life experience about it uh, I don't know that I feel better about it but I'm just like that's interesting context because I actually think it's handled pretty well and I'm like mm-hmm. oh that maybe have been a factor in it yeah mm-hmm. no I, I, I think that's totally fair. Um, I just, I feel like with rape revenge films in general, and like, I do think that we need more female directed rape revenge films because again, like that, 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 that is an important important. perspective, absolutely Mm -hmm. important perspective. But I also think that, yeah, it's, I'm always, always of a double mind where I'm like, Ooh, but do I want the director to have to come forward with this history or the director or the writer uh, 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 of their history of sexual assault? Um, because then it's going into, okay, well, we're saying, well, you have to have a history of sexual assault to tell stories about sexual assault, Mm -hmm. but then you're asking these people Mm -hmm. to willingly come forth about these stories that they may not want to do. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't subscribe to that. I don't think a lot of people would, but I think what we end up having is a lot of adjacent conversations, which is the number of times I have heard the words, the female lens or the female Mm. gaze when we're talking Mm -hmm. about female directed rape revenge films. It's 
it's maybe just because we now have the language or we're more comfortable using it when we're talking about these movies, but we often do end up having conversations about, well, this is a female identifying director. How is she or how are they doing this differently than male colleagues who were more inclined to sexualize, fetishize, uh, just, you know, do it over the top in their Mm -hmm. versions. And Mm -hmm. I do find it fascinating. And Trace and I had a, a, an offline conversation about this because I watched the movie and I messaged him and I said that rape was really awful. Like it was really difficult to go through. And I'm surprised that it was this hard because I thought because it was a female director, we were going to have a different kind of perspective. I I'm probably softening that to make myself sound better. And Trace was like, well, now I'm going to raise that in the episode because (laughs) we need to talk about it. Why did you think because it was a female director that it would, it wouldn't be this rough. Yeah, well, I mean, I think maybe because we have had some movies like Revenge or Violation that Mm -hmm. were made by women identifying directors who, you know, did not show all of it, right? Like in Revenge, we see her face a bit and then the camera goes away and we just hear some of it as Mm -hmm. we see the other guy doing his bullshit of trying to ignore it. And with Mm -hmm. Violation, the camera gets up close and we're just seeing little bits and pieces of what's happening. We never Mm -hmm. get a full picture. And so it's really different than this movie where... You're there for a long time. I actually watched this movie twice. I watched it once a week ago because I wanted to be able to see it before I did any of the research. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to kind of sit with it and watch it again. And the first time I watched it, I could have sworn to you that that rape scene went on for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And when I watched it the second time, I was actually surprised at how fast it comes and goes. And I think it's partially because the movie and the way that it's filmed kind of forces you into her headspace mm-hmm. because of the way it focuses on her facial reactions and her body contortions and stuff as she's trying to get away from him. It really forces you as the viewer to like be in that moment with her. And I do wonder if that's not in large part because it was written by a woman, directed by a woman, and the star, Francesca, had a lot of say-so in what was and wasn't okay to film, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I when I say I felt like it threaded this needle, what it, what I mean is that I think that there is this temptation to go if you're trying to avoid sexualizing sexual assault mm-hmm. is to be completely flinching. I think of an example of one that infuriated me was did y'all watch Game of Thrones? Oh, yes. I'm gonna yes. mm-hmm. Okay, uh-huh. the Sansa rape is one of to me yeah. one of the worst, not because of what they showed, but that it completely eliminated her experience yeah. from it. Yeah. It mm-hmm. focused on Theon. We did not even get to really see her face. Right. But this one finds a way to depict the reality and the horror of sexual violence without decentering her, without flinching away from the reality of that. And that, that's what I mean by that needle. Like you, right. you see enough of him and know what's happening and you hear what he's saying to know, to be absolutely horrified. Like you said, it was incredibly rough to watch. But at the same time, we're never we're never in his gaze. We're always in hers. And th- always. I'm really glad that y'all brought up Violation because that is a really, that's mm-hmm. a more modern example. I think that's 2019, yes. maybe 2020. But like in that rape scene, the camera, if, if I'm recalling correctly, stays squarely on our protagonist. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's an extreme like it close up. So you yep. barely see anything except her face. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think that was probably the like the uh, kind of the same idea that the director here was going for. But yeah, we we aren't in a close 
cl- a tight close up. And I actually, oh God, I, I went back and I rewatched the rape scene Me right too. before we started recording because mm-hmm. I, I wanted to see, okay, well, like I, I remember what violation looks like. And I've seen obviously a bunch of rape scenes in films. I really want to focus on like, what is different about this. And it really is basically um, what I love, quote unquote, about it is that it shows a rape scene that starts consensually mm-hmm. and then yeah. turns into not consensual. And mm-hmm. I think that's, again, because, you know, yeah, as the movie points out, so many guys like, oh, she was into it. She was into it. She was into it until she's not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Right. And also just the fact that a lot of times in, in the past, like I spit on your grave or whatever, it's strangers yes. who were doing the rape where here it's like an acquaintance. It's somebody she has a crush on yes. that she likes. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a much more common experience. Yeah. You know? Eight out of ten uh, survivors of sexual assault, it's people that they know. So yes. movies like to depict it like, oh, it's a woman walking down the street after she's had a couple of drinks at the bar and she's wearing a short skirt. And it's like, no, it's your fucking college roommate. It's the guy in your class. It's your mm-hmm. best friend, which is horrifying, right? It's basically like the people you should be able to trust the most are most likely to end up assaulting you. But yeah. that's what the reality is. And this movie is like, yeah. It's the guy you thought you were on a date with, and he seems to think that you're having consensual sex, even though you are literally saying no upwards of 25 times. Yeah. 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 But and in the way it's filmed, though, so the second that he roughly flips her over to, you know, doggy yeah. style her, for lack of a better phrase, uh, the, the camera really does stay <laughs> on her. Um, we never really have his POV and it, it's, uh, there's a sound cue that comes in where it's like, you know, that all sound in the room kind of starts muting out because she yeah, it's is like a ringing in the ear. Kind mm-hmm. of yeah. Sound. Cause she's yeah. associated. That, 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 yeah. That's what she's doing here. And so the right. film is doing it with her, but the camera is constantly on her face. Now it's not yeah. in as tight of a close up as violation was. So we right. still see him in the background. We still have, um, she occasionally flips the camera to be kind of over his shoulder a bit. And that is kind of the moments where you might be like, Ooh, this is kind Kind of the male rapey gaze that we're looking at here. But I do think it flips back enough and the the majority of it is focusing on her. Mm -hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and I I do think that those other scenes that show less, like I I personally appreciate the way that it was filmed both in Violation and in Revenge. But I also Mm -hmm. think there's something to be said, especially in a movie like this that's talking about campus rape, which is so common, to actually show people from her headspace how horrific it is right you know i mean it's hard as an audience to watch that and the other rape that we see in this movie it's really really difficult to sit through it but part of me feels like that's also sometimes important to include you know well i think it's also important for this film in particular there's no ambiguity you know what i mean it eschews ambiguity entirely i think something like violation ambiguity is part I mean, of what we're trying to talk about yeah, yeah exactly right. whereas right. this i think she's really making a corner drawing a distinction that this person did this thing you know this happened regardless of any outside circumstances this happened and so i think you had to, you had to be you couldn't do a face close up and then just in the same way we had to know we no. had to know we had to know we had to be with her and i think a lot of that like when we're changing gaze because she's so disassociated i always felt like i was watching or watch it from yeah. outside her body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, again, this is with any rape prevention, we're getting to discussions too about how much of the rape do you need to show? Because right. again, I know that there are a lot of people who are like, well, you don't have to show anything because all you have to do is say this rape happened. And I, I have yeah, all I, I get need it. To know. I, need, I know. I need, nah, 
I, no, it, I need. To, I know what I need to know. There we go. Right, I got eight, eight times exactly. the drive. Exactly, and and personally, it doesn't really matter to me either way because again, it's for me. It's like well, whatever the creator is wanting to show, that is what is necessary to show. Right. Now, granted, as a viewer, like I mean, like I understand. Yes, does everyone does not everyone want to see a sexual assault on screen, especially a very brutal one? Absolutely, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. However, I do think there's almost this um, unofficial contract of consent that you agree to when you walk into a rape revenge film that you could get either way. But again, talking into what Joe was saying about how, you know, he's like, oh, like, you know, I thought that maybe this wouldn't be as brutal because it was a female director. But Mm -hmm. then Rachel and Ariel going into what y'all are saying with, okay, well, the director of this movie is a sexual assault survivor. Mm -hmm. So... I would I would expect, maybe wrongly, that she would want to make it more brutal because she's trying to convey what she felt in her own sexual assault. Yeah. yeah. However, again, I right. keep branching off here, I could also see this exact same she- scene shot in this exact same way by a man and how it would be a bigger problem for people yes. because it was a man directing this. Mm, and that's, that's why I think the conversation ends up becoming important because we can actually unpack this you know like do we feel that this violence is justified does this speak to her individual context you know we we have access to quotes that she has given about how she filmed this and why she Mm -hmm. filmed it and so on and i do think that all of that's important it would be interesting to see if people watched this not knowing this was a female director Mm -hmm. if they would have an Mm -hmm. issue with it but i think that's where the value of the discussion lies yeah yeah, that is an interesting thought because obviously, like, I can't remove that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to know how I would have seen it otherwise. But talking, I, I know I keep referencing I Spit on Your Grave, but yep. I actually Ugh, rewatched that worst. movie a couple of years ago because I had read, I can't remember who wrote it, but I wrote, read some think piece where somebody was defending it. And I was like, oh, well, it's a feminist geez. film, didn't you know? Because she yeah, gets revenge. So... She's still alive at the end of the movie. <laughs> I, Fuck I, I will say, you. I will say that I actually, I like the remake of I Spit in Your Grave. Oh, um, okay. I I've never seen that one. It's, so. I mean, it. It's the same movie, but mm-hmm. modern, but um, I like it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. I mean, that makes me want to maybe give it a try. But I, I rewatched it because I was reading this article and I was like, well, geez, I have not seen that movie probably since 1995 or something. Mm-hmm. So... Maybe I should revisit it because maybe now that I've seen all these other movies, I will think about it in a different way. And right. I got to tell you, that movie is really hard to sit through. Oh, it's yeah. rough. Because I think maybe, you know, in the time in between viewings, I had forgotten how long those rape scenes are. Yeah. And, and it's not just one. Yeah. No, it goes on for like an hour or more yeah. of the film where it's just one scene after another after another of her being brutally raped. And I think the difference is one, she is completely nude, mm-hmm. full frontal nudity for yeah. a large portion of that movie. And that's the and, sexualization that I right. think a lot and of women scenes, respond to. They're like, what the fuck is this? Exactly. I don't yeah. need that. Because there are even scenes where if you needed to have her, say, walking through the woods naked, where you could have just seen her from the shoulders up or something, or mm-hmm. just her back. Like, there's no reason to show it in the way that they did, unless it was intentionally to show off this woman's body, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's different about the way that that's filmed versus the way this is filmed is that even though you do see more of this, the guy, the rapist, than you do in some of those other films we mentioned... It's not focused so much on his pleasure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I spit on your grave. The camera spends a lot of time lingering on the guy's faces as they're orgasming, as they're enjoying what they're doing. And it 
is like the director was saying, where it becomes almost pornographic mm -hmm. and the scenes just keep going. And so I think that even if a man had filmed the scene is exactly the same, I feel like I wouldn't feel the same way about that as I did with something like I spit on your grave because right. it is just filmed so vastly differently. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's about intent, right? You know, what is the director trying to evoke? Like I was, I quickly Googled rape revenge films to see if I could find an example, like a more modern example. And mm -hmm. what I came up with was both the English and Swedish version of Girl with a Tattoo. Oh, or okay. no. Tattoo. No. Those yeah. both have really, especially the Swedish version, has one of the most That's horrifying right. rape oh scenes. Gosh, I forgotten They're both that. directed by men. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. never felt ex like, I know exploitation is not necessarily bad. It's just the, the best word I can come up yeah, with yeah, to, sure. to describe mm -hmm. it. I, it never felt exploitative because it, the what you were meant as an audience to take away from it was not titillation. It was to be horrified. I mean, at the end of the day, I think for me, it's always a thing where I'm like, look, everyone should have an opinion on scenes like this. And yes, right, let's, of let, course. Let, let's dissect both who's doing it, why they're doing it, whatever. We obviously in the in 2022 have more access to things like that. So we can find interviews. We can actually like reach out to the directors on Twitter and whatever we want to do. But it's more so I'm just kind of like this this mindset of we shouldn't be showing these things or I don't like there's a difference between I don't want to see that and mm -hmm. we shouldn't be putting these things on film. Oh, right. Like there's sure. a difference between Fair. it's not for me and I don't want it to exist. Yes. yes. And I'm yes. not trying to discredit totally. any reactions to any rape scene in any film because that mm -hmm. is a very personal reaction. And I absolutely, absolutely. understand that. But it is a yeah. thing where I'm just like, okay, but I feel like sometimes we're in a stage where it's like, oh, well, if a man did it, it's not worth my time. Let's just boycott it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if a woman did it, it's okay. And that's not that's not obviously what everyone thinks, but I feel like I see that a lot, especially in a post-Me Too world. And it's a thing mm -hmm. where, I don't know, like, I mean, it's, it's touchy. It is person by person basis but i don't think that the answer should be well no we're not going we shouldn't allow that <laughs> in things right no, 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 no i mean no, i'm no, not no, opposed no. to men making movies with rape in them it's just me pers like for my own personal horror fandom i'm at this point right now currently more interested in seeing people other than men tell that story um because i've seen that version of it so many times but right. I feel new. like they're anybody that's going to interrogate it in a way that's interesting to me, I'm fine with. Yeah, like, absolutely. But I don't know that that I feel like that is more likely to happen when someone who outside of the straight, cis, male, they're going to have a different perspective or a different set of priorities or interest in storytelling. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean that I mean, there are lots of straight white dudes. You know, God bless the straight white dudes. <laughs> they're going to be OK. <laughs> they're still out there. But I think, yeah, I <laughs> I think the thing you said that was the most interesting to me was the thing about needing to disclose in order to be able to tell the story. Yeah. I think yeah. that's that's really important. I think that's true with telling queer stories, trans stories, you know, women's stories, sexual assault stories. Like, if you're requiring disclosure, you're asked. I think at that point, we've reached a point where we're asking too much. The bar is too high. Yeah. 100%. I think it's yeah. about kind of finding that equilibrium by saying we need people to tell stories that relate to their own lived experiences. Just like, ultimately about giving new voices opportunities exactly. but there but there is an end to that spectrum i think that you are mm -hmm. point, rightly pointing out that we that is asking too much like if somebody has to come out to tell a queer story and they don't feel safe or ready to and then they can't create the art they want to that's a problem yeah a problem. i mean i i think we're talking about two slightly different things too right mm -hmm. like trace mm -hmm. and i are huge on we would never want to censor or stop someone from being able to make their their own art. We're just big advocates for saying, like, if you don't have a lived experience or you're trying to tell 
a story right. from a different group of people, then you owe it to that people to collaborate with them, to consult yes. with them, to yes. like yes. surround yes. yourself yes. by yes. them, right? Yes. Like I think yes. um, yes. praise yeah, is an I mean, interesting pray. example. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, that's a great example. <laughs> Um, yeah, like that's a movie that does it reasonably well. And I think a lot of people could learn from that. But like, mm -hmm. I get really tired when people say, Oh, well, I'm sick and tired of seeing inauthentic stories. Like, if a man makes this, and it's not his own lived experience, like, I don't want to fucking see it. And it's like, well, okay, but now we're literally censoring art. And I don't think that's where we want to be either. No, but no. I think it, it becomes something completely different when we're talking about sexual assault. Like I would never want someone to have to disclose anything about their sexual right. assault unless right. they themselves felt comfortable because the whole thing is that this is triggering it's victimizing right. you know and i think that's one of the things that we all seem to appreciate about mfa is that it's offering two very different perspectives about how you might approach moving forward from this. One mm -hmm. is that vigilantism that we're all sort of hungry for because we crave the catharsis of seeing these shit men just absolutely eat it. Like, right. want to right. see it. But then we've also got this fascinating other character who mm -hmm. is like, can you please let it go? Because I don't want to have to deal with it. I have moved on. And now you are re-victimizing me. And you're mm -hmm. supposed to be a fucking ally. Right. I mean, I think that's what's so interesting about this movie is that it is so complex because it shows the reactions of multiple victims. Mm -hmm. in and it, it complicates things by showing the kind of selfishness of Noelle's actions. Yes. Right. She seeks revenge on behalf of another woman. And it dredges up, like you were saying, all these painful memories, opens them up to further questioning from the police and mm -hmm. harassment, and takes away her choice about how to handle her own sexual assault. Which, mm -hmm. which is so interesting, too, because I remember that was one of the big complaints about Promising Young Woman, where it was like, well, mm -hmm. the victim in, I'm sorry, the survivor in question is not alive to make these choices. And right. so her friend is making all these choices for her. Mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. And we do have that here, um, which I think is very... I, 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 but I, the difference I, seems to be that Noelle is a survivor of sexual assault, and therefore right. I think we cut her her that extra leeway that sounds terrible mm -hmm. yeah. but you know she she <laughs> is making an informed decision of her own it's just she's not really considering what that means to somebody else who isn't having the same experience as her I, well, yeah but, so i think the other thing is i had actually not watched promising that young woman until last night oh my god this <laughs> so you're like fully fired up you. right now so <laughs> I had kind of been avoiding it because I had heard Rachel's negative reactions to the ending. And I was like, Ugh, I don't know if I want to do that. There are other movies I need to watch. I'll put right. that on the back burner. Right. But as I watched MFA, I messaged Rachel and I was like, this feels a lot like the things I do know mm -hmm. about Promising Young Woman. And right. she was like, yeah, you probably should watch that. So I put that on last night. Oh my God, the double feature to end all days. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I got a message this morning. It was like, I'm up pacing around my living room. <laughs> This is like, so, so man, fuck yeah. <laughs> But one of the things that I think is really vastly different about those two films is in Promising Young Woman, like you were saying, she's taking sort of, you know, this bizarre path to revenge for a friend who was assaulted and then committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And in this movie, the friend is still very much alive. And so in Promising Young Woman, you other than a picture of when she was a child that's on mm -hmm. screen for like five seconds, you know nothing about her. Yeah, she's not she a real person. She doesn't have a life story. She's not a real character. 
there's you know one memory brought up about a birthday party and other than that you know nothing about this woman where here we get to see sky we get to know her mm -hmm. a little bit we get to see her story and we get to see her reaction to it and so i think that makes the conversation much more interesting where you're talking yeah. about how she feels about what Noelle did and why Noelle made the decisions that she did. But that victim is still very present in her own story. Mm -hmm. And I actually love that we have this guy character in this film because, and again, I have not seen every single rape revenge film known to man, but sure. I have never seen a character in a rape revenge film who is a rape survivor who is like, I don't like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to get revenge. I don't mm -hmm. want to do this. Okay, Cause in this specific genre we're talking about, and it's not satisfying not in the same way. No. Right. So, I may be opening up a can of worms here, and Joe, feel free to uh, clock me if this is too off-base, but have y'all <laughs> seen the recent slasher film, They Slash Them? No. I have, yes. So, I bring up the character of Skye and how she is a sexual assault survivor who chooses and willingly does not want anyone to do anything with her rapist. Because, yeah, They Slash Them is a, is a you know queer film starring queer people, made by queer people. In which there's a choice made, I'm trying to avoid spoilers here, uh, where one character has the choice to uh, join the revenge party and, you know, murder all the oppressors mm -hmm. or walk away. And this is a spoiler, but they walk away. And that has really, really, really turned off some members of the queer community. As if that's not a choice that some people might actually make. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's I, like I, the demand for bloodlust is like the audience felt owed it. And when they weren't given it, they felt like the film wasn't doing its job anymore. Mm. Right. And granted, there are a lot of issues with that film. That is oh, yeah. one of the issues that I have with it. Do I get <laughs> why people are upset with it? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But it's kind yeah. of turned into this rage mob slash boycott the film because this is, this is dangerous material kind of stuff. Yeah. That I think is really exploded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I, I, it almost felt fortuitous that I watched this movie this week and, MFA, mm -hmm. and we have something similar with a woman and granted we'll talk about the ending when we get there but yeah. a woman who is a sexual assault survivor who is actively saying i don't want to do this do not revenge on these people for me right and i don't know i think that's a really interesting character to have in this film and especially when you know that the woman that plays her is the writer of the film right yeah that's actually a really good point and adds an interesting wrinkle one of the things I struggled with the promising young woman was like, what am I supposed to take away from this? Film? If you fight back, right. it's doomed. Like, what am I supposed to feel about this? So as the writer, the voice behind this, that character is kind of a proxy for her to some degree. So mm -hmm. I wonder what she's trying to say. Is it just that this is so complicated and like there is no one size fits all? Or is she saying some or is there something deeper there that I'm not maybe totally picking up on? I would love to know what you guys think. I mean, I think we're we're sort of all in that camp where we're recognizing that she's at least being deliberate and in including different types of voices. Because yeah. as much as I appreciate having Sky there, and obviously mm -hmm. she gets a kind of big emotional arc, like we're very clearly meant to feel something when we discover that she has died by suicide. Right. We yeah. also have Lindsay, who was the girl who was gang raped, who is initially resistant, but clearly would have liked to have brought about justice to the people mm -hmm. who yeah, who absolutely. hurt her yeah, and then we have all of these trial, women right? mm -hmm. yeah yeah and then we have all of these women in the survivors group who it's interesting because the film because we're more or less associated with noel we feel like they're a little too inactive like they're yeah. more mm -hmm. about the campaign and they want to help uh, like people from a different country who have survived sexual assault and noelle's like right. well, what about the people who are doing it right here like let's get up in this business 
But I love mm-hmm. the idea that like their perspectives are not wrong. Lindsay's perspective is not wrong. Sky's perspective is not wrong. If anything, the movie kind of gently comes down on Noel, but only because of the ending. And obviously we're mm-hmm. going to have a lot more to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I do think it's interesting. And I think just from reading all the interviews that I went through, that that was something that was really important to both the writer and the director was showing all these diverse perspectives mm-hmm. in how people would respond to that kind of trauma. And I think what you were saying about the group, the support group that she joins is mm-hmm. I think that those scenes in there are really interesting because it's like mm-hmm. they're focused on these really small scale changes that might right. help let's women have a bake off bring, right, right right and let's do the the nail polish thing and we'll get mm. you know think pieces written and get those published and but, but noelle, they're also surprisingly practical pieces right like exactly you know when noelle says we're not doing enough she's like well what about the men who are raping women and you're like that is a huge fucking systemic issue like yeah. i'm <laughs> i'm not at all advocating for what these women are saying but they are saying like well maybe we can prevent another woman from being raped if we do this nail well, polish right. date i mean that's the thing is like noelle wants these wholesale structural changes yes she wants Mm -hmm. big picture changes and radical yeah yeah Mm -hmm. radical action being taken and even though these women can seem a little flippant and even insensitive a little bit Mm -hmm. they have also likely been worn down by trying to advocate and raise awareness Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. have likely found that this is these are small things that they actually can get accomplished on a college campus Exactly. Well, the only downside for me is I do think the Sky character is a bit underdeveloped. Like, and when she does sure. die, it feels almost more like a plot mechanic to me than an actual mm. like organic oh, character okay. development. Okay. Interesting. That being said, I appreciate having something like that in this film, or at least like, like uh, having that outlook, because I do think that again, just like how it's saying, like, okay, if, if you're a, rape, uh, a sexual assault survivor and you watch, you might find catharsis in rape prevention or you might be triggered, or you might be both, or you might, like, there's a multitude of reactions you can mm-hmm. have to watching something like this. Just like there are a multitude of reactions you can have to experiencing something like that in real life. So you could mm-hmm. be a Noel yeah. and be like, fuck it, I'm vigilanteing it out. I'm gonna go kill every person who is a rapist. Mm-hmm. Or you might say, I don't want to spend my life. I don't want that to consume my life because I want mm-hmm. to try to make the best of what life I have left. And I feel like when we have these discussions, you have people that get really not protective, but defensive about it. So if you, if you have someone that says, I'm going to take the quote unquote high road, mm-hmm. maybe that's even the bad phrase, right? Like if you say you're taking the high road, that in that, there's it, a moral that, judgment. Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. By saying, if you take the other path, you are lower on the morality scale. Mm-hmm. When to me, it's just like, no, it's just, you're choosing to spend your responses. life two different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times we see people fight about it especially in films that deal with things like this, because again, it's like, well, you're talking about rape culture, campus rape and like, okay, cool. This is the next movie that's out about it. This is the movie that has to like, therefore symbolize and stand for all conversations about rape culture. <laughs> and that's, right. that's a lot to put on one movie. Yeah. Cause yeah. you can just be yeah. having a specific type of conversation, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. And yeah, I think with, with this group in particular, it's like, I don't know if everybody recognizes how difficult it is to even make small scale change anywhere, but especially Mm -hmm. on a college campus. This is a very trivial example. 
But Rachel and I actually met in uh, working for a student newspaper at the, the college that we were going to. Yeah. And uh-huh. the first semester <laughs> that I was there, the very first article I ever wrote was about this animal rights group on the college campus who was trying to get a sign put in front of the pond on campus to tell people not to feed the ducks because they were killing the ducks by feeding them bread. So again, this is very trivial, but (laughs) I followed this group for months as they tried to get this sign, just a sign. Just a fucking sign. Just a sign. It took them forever, didn't it? it? Or did they ever get it? They got it, but they only got it nine months later and only because I wrote the article and the school decided to change their mind about it. (laughs) Because it became a PR nightmare. (laughs) Raising money and I mean, all this stuff. So it's just that. Yeah, it seems kind of ridiculous to be focusing on things that are so tiny when the issue is so huge. And like, yeah, mm-hmm. let's fucking teach men not to drug and rape women. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let's change that societally. But I don't think you can discount the fact that like it is Im- almost impossible to make these kind of changes. And so mm-hmm. sometimes taking smaller steps is worthwhile, even if it doesn't mm-hmm. feel as cathartic as just murdering the bastards you know yeah and at the end of the day it's like you know how do you want to how do you choose to spend your life and to me there isn't really a right or wrong here and you can get into the morals of all of it but it's yeah just two people that decided to take a different route and it's not even that i think noelle is stronger than than sky it is more so a how again yeah how how do they want to spend their lives (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and you can argue and you can argue, yes, that people that have that have the ability or or the privilege to to move past it, quote unquote, or just forget about it or like, mm-hmm. not want to deal with it. You can say there's privilege involved with that. But at the same sure. time, mm-hmm. I also view it as people looking out for their own mental health. Well, right. I think the problem is, is that. Oh God, I might be opening I know. a giant bag of worms here. Let's do it. Get them out. <laughs> I think sometimes, and I'm going to restrict this simply to audiences who are consuming media. I'm not going to try to speak for people out in the quote unquote real world, but sometimes we struggle to empathize with people who are not exactly like us. And sure. I'm not talking about like yeah, racial absolutely. differences, sexual orientation. I'm talking about like, this character made a decision that I would not have made and therefore right. yeah. they're fucking garbage or they are right. stupid yeah. or something like that. And I think MFA does a really good job of circumventing those kinds of arguments about an extremely volatile and hot button topic mm-hmm. because you're right, Trace, everyone is going to have an opinion about rape and sexual assault mm-hmm. because the reality is, is that we are living in a culture that is incredibly pervasive. Like, I Mm -hmm. know at least probably four or five women just that I know, not including the people who have never disclosed to me who have been victims of like, like their partners have sexually assaulted or abused them. And it's Mm -hmm. like, cool. That's just the world that we live in. So I think MFA rightfully recognizes people have very strong reactions it's smarter for us to allow this multiplicity of readings by having all these different characters without necessarily condoning or shutting any of them down as valid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's really smart writing. I just, but that's why I think though, because we don't find out that sky has been a, a survivor of sexual assault until later in the film. And it's mm-hmm. after she tells Noel, forget about this. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and I that's think really that she shouldn't have had to disclose to get Noel to take her seriously. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so that's very intentional on the writer's part, I think, because it's mm-hmm. like, hey, I know that there are going to be a lot of people that are like, fuck this cunt. Like, she should not oh, be saying this. 100%. Like, no, when she was like, it's one bad night, I was like, well, you're dead to me. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> but then we find yeah. out, oh, she's actually had a very similar experience. So mm-hmm. does that make mm-hmm. her opinion beforehand more acceptable now? It does, but only in hindsight. Yeah, mm-hmm. see, that's interesting because when I watched it, I immediately thought you this clocked is it, to this guy. Yeah, yeah, you clocked right. it. Yeah. yeah, because I was like, the way that she handled it. Like, I know that some people will say, like, just forget it. It's not that big of a deal. Move on. You were drunk. Whatever. Right. But the mm-hmm. way that Sky talks about it is like, I know this happened to you. I believe you. Yep. She's yeah, validating yeah. that it happened at the same time as saying, but this is going to go really badly for you. And I, as mm-hmm. a friend, want to protect you from that outcome. Right. And so because of the way she handled it, I was like, oh, this that is going to come up later. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. It's so specific. It's like, oh, yes. you have been through this. You have seen other people go through this. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But again, that, that that to me is just a parallel to cool. Does the filmmaker that's making this have to have a history of rape to justify how they are depicting rape? Oh my God, no. No, the answer is no. But like, what I'm saying is it's, it's the same conversation. It is a mirroring of that conversation just within the film and outside of the film. Yeah, yeah. Asked and answered, sir. <laughs> I wasn't actually asking the question. <laughs> I will say I I love just because I'm I'm worried with that we won't get to her and I thought that this was also another vitally important character who isn't really a big character mm-hmm. but I do want to have a quick conversation about Melinda Saunders who oh yeah is the woman that Noel goes in to talk to and oh. I think it's really important that this yes. is a woman yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Which, we so often want to cut it right down gender lines and say like, well, men are the assholes in rape revenge films. And it's right. like, women are going to have your back. And I I mean, Tracy brought up privilege. We talked about class mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. I do think that this is a woman who works for an institution who is more yep. interested in protecting its reputation. Yep. Um, right. And we, she's we, more we, interested in holding on to the, her own power yep, than sure. being yep. an ally to another woman. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Her proximity to power is making her make choices that hurt other women, and she's fine with that. Yep. yep. Yeah. But I do think it's really important that yeah. this is a woman who ultimately, at the end of the day, you you can't say, oh, well, you're going to get this because you probably experienced something like this, or you've, you've seen other girls come through this. It's like, it doesn't matter to her. Like, the no, gender... there is no solidarity at all. No, Absolutely. it doesn't matter. And that, unfortunately, is a reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and th- and that is it's interesting, right? Because I this film to me offers so much more catharsis than most of Promising Young Woman. But this particular character, which is played by Connie Britton in Promising Young Woman, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. more catharsis in that scene in Promising Young Woman than there is in this scene with this woman. Oh, I feel really complicated about the Connie Britton. I mean, the the best and worst part about Promising Young Woman is how it betrays the audience's goodwill for certain actors by casting them as despicable assholes. It's like, Mm -hmm. I know you like these people, and that's why we did it. Right. Her and Brie Larson both are actors that I really like, but I... My issue is that she saves, and, and it's interesting, I think it's intentional, is she saves her cruelest revenge for other women. 
Yes. In that I yeah. also right. found that. Yeah. I mean, that's when I was watching it. What was so frustrating is I had assumed just based on what little bit I had heard that she was actually killing these guys. And then when you find mm. out that she was essentially just giving them a stern talking to, and them <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? And then when she actually does really cruel things to other women, I was like, mm-hmm. I am losing yep. the thread here. Okay. But wait, but, like where, like, where does the internalized misogyny begin and end? But, right? okay, I mean, but, 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 but I, th- that is fascinating to me because again, and I'm coming at this as a man, obviously, yeah, but like sure. for me, it's like, well, she's saving the harshest punishments for people who are doing more damage to their own kind. And that sounds really horrible. Mm. They're kind of like a woke a woman. But to me, it's like, yeah, it's, I mean, like, just like how there's so much internalized homophobia within the queer community. I'm mm-hmm. almost more angry mm-hmm. at them because it's like, you are queer. You should be better. You should know, you better. Should know better. You hear that Christian Walker? We're talking to you. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I absolutely get where y'all are coming from. But at the same time, I'm yeah. like, yeah, but Connie Britton's a woman. She, I mean, yeah. she should know better. <laughs> That's why I said I have complicated yeah, it's, feelings. It's hard because absolutely. You're, you're totally right on about that. I think it's, yeah. I think for me, I was, struggling with it just because there was like no punishment for the men right. yeah, that's the thing uh-huh. i think um, if there was uh, if there was actually some degree of punishment happening beyond an awkward conversation yeah. then i would feel less like god damn <laughs> yeah. i mean it, it would be different if she actually sent connie britain's daughter to get oh, true yes very true i mean and i think that's one of the other areas that people have an issue with promising young woman is that it is to a certain extent pulling its punches right like she's not yeah. actually doing the thing that you want her to do to these men she's not actually going as hard as she could whereas in mfa it's like no she's She's fucking killing these dudes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, I, I know we're going long, but it's like, honestly, the most satisfying because w- she kills her rapist early, like in the first mm-hmm. act oh, of this yeah. movie. Very I wouldn't even say she kills him. He dies accidentally. And then yeah. she has to continue looking for opportunities to find satisfaction in the catharsis. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I um, mean, because she didn't get her full experience from that. Yeah. I wonder, I, I thought about that too. Like, is she still sort of seeking that? She's still jonesing for it. Yeah. 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 I think so. <laughs> but, but, well, even when she goes after the three, the three frat boy rapists. I mean, she she kills mm-hmm. all of them like pretty much in succession. Um, yeah, she's real good. <laughs> but yeah. for me, and I don't know how y'all take revenge movies really, but I, I mm. want to know that the person that is getting revenged is a knows who is doing it to them and why mm-hmm. they're doing it. And so the mm-hmm. most satisfying part of this movie for me that first is one? when she goes after Sky's rapist and she's yes. like shows him the picture and she's like and he knows immediately. What's mm-hmm. See, I would argue like, I'm a nice guy. Oh my god! Red worst. flag! Red flag! <laughs> I would argue that the first one also knows it's just that he's asphyxiating as he realizes it because yeah. she's deliberately reusing Lindsay's language from mm-hmm. the tape against it's, him. It that is such a powerful scene too because you mm-hmm. are hearing the sounds from the rape tape yes. as it's mm-hmm. happening, and then you get flashes of the actual video as she's essentially reenacting it with him as the victim it's a really powerful scene and it's so well filmed yeah yeah so i mean do you want to move to the end the climax yes yeah yeah let's get Mm -hmm. into the end yeah so i I can sit here and talk about this for you guys forever but i know you have (laughs) other things to do (laughs) i I love i love having conversations about this because again there's Mm -hmm. no there's no answer there is no right i mean there is right or wrong obviously but like there's no right way to respond to this 
Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that having these conversations and being candid, open about how we all feel about it um, is, and I appreciate that y'all being really open to hearing our side of things as well. Of because course. I think that's also really important. That's why you're here. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love okay, it. Okay. So, so let's then take a temperature check. How did people feel about this ending? Did you find it satisfying? I feel con- conflicted. I feel I on one hand, <laughs> I love that she got her MFA and there is a moment in her mm-hmm. face. I well, mean, it's like, a big yes. deal, right? Education like she gets to be the graduate. Yeah. Yes. There are things about it I like. And I do think that there is a beat when she's in the back of the car where she feels, you can see that she's satisfied. And at yeah. the end mm-hmm. of the day, right. that's the thing that matters most. She There's did a what part she of set me, out to do. She accomplished right. it. And she can yes. her dual goals. live with that. There, yes. there is a line when she, oh, and, um, Joe pointed this out to me, uh, but actually, because Francesca Eastwood is married to Clifton Collins Jr., who plays the uh, detective in the film. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, we're pretty sure that they met on the set because yeah. they get married oh, like right cute. around the same time. Oh, okay. That's very cute. But um, but there's a line when he's interrogating her, and he's like, you know, you break the law, you 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 do the time, and she's like, well, I guess it depends on what law you're breaking. Oh my god, I fucking um, love line. that scene. Such so a good, good scene. But yeah, it's a thing where I mean, look, I get that her going to jail is probably going to be contentious. Um, mm-hmm. it rings true to me, especially with mm-hmm. how messy she has been with covering yeah. up some of these crimes. But yeah. I, I like what y'all are saying. Though. It's right. I, she feels satisfied. She looks satisfied. She doesn't look upset with the fact that she's going to jail. Mm-mm. And that, while of course I'm like, well, no, she was justified in everything she did. Uh, yep. I'm like, but this ending still feels satisfying. But that being said, I will say that Sky's death does feel more like a plot device than it does yeah. feel like an organic evolution of this character. That's a fair mm-hmm. criticism. I mean, I, I think, think we so. get a little bit of that in the scene where you know they. Noelle walks in on her cutting herself where you mm-hmm. kind of understand that she has been deeply traumatized by this and she right. hasn't dealt with those emotions in a healthy way. Right. And so that, you know, you know that she's not all that stable emotionally. Yeah. And so it, for me, it wasn't like a huge surprise, but I also think you're right that it maybe could have been handled with a, you know, a little more time put into her character or a little more sensitivity towards that. I would have mm-hmm. even taken one more conversation between the two of them because it's not mm-hmm. even just that she dies by suicide, but it's also that she leaves a note taking credit for all these murders for her friend. Yeah. And yeah. I get that we have a confrontation with them, but I almost would have liked one more scene where they are talking through things and maybe even to where we're like, okay, cool. We're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I also think it's interesting how she burns that note, you know, yes. where yeah. Sky has made this kind of final decision for herself to take the blame for this mm-hmm. and to leave mm. this earth. Right. And yet again, yeah, and I she understand robs why of, Noelle does this, she, but she robs her of that final choice. Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 She keeps taking away Sky's choices. And yes. it, it's interesting that she hasn't learned her lesson by that second time. But right. I think for us as an audience, it is more satisfying that she is the one who is apprehended for her own mm-hmm. crime. Yes. Yeah. That she doesn't get away with it and mars her friend's, you know, right. name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a little so part of me why. that wanted to see her get away with it. Only know, because right? thematically, <laughs> thematically, the whole thing is about these men who commit these crimes and the police know they did them, but mm-hmm. they don't hold the, they don't 
ultimately there's no justice for those oh, crimes. Right. So thematically, I would have been like, if she had, if they had just been like, well, you know, it's you, and she just walks off with her MFA. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think the realism is how it ends. You know? Well, because because when all the boys are getting killed, they're being praised in the newspapers yeah. as like, mm-hmm, oh, they were mm-hmm. such promising students, and they were like sports people, and blah. Never mind that rape case they were involved in last mm-hmm. year. <laughs> Um, right, hello. and the women yes, are being labeled as having Turner. mental health yep. issues so yep. that they, you know, won't be believed. It's yeah. Ugh. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I felt pretty mixed about the ending. The thing about Sky's note, I felt mixed about. And mm. you know, in the in the movie too, we get to we start with Noel where she's sort of a little bit mousy and mean. Mm-hmm. And through the evolution of her you know, committing these murders, really, she kind of comes into her own. Oh, yeah. And she, yeah, she, she sort blossoms. of realizes, yeah, she blossoms. She realizes she has agency and she has power and she can make choices for herself and get justice in a way that nobody else can provide for her. And mm-hmm. so we we see her turn into this kind of powerful woman. And I appreciated that ending where she's like Rachel was saying, where she's sitting in the cop car and is like, yeah, I did this thing. You know, yep. like I finished this. I thought it was that was really good for me. The one flaw would just be her speech felt a little bit like Dark Breakfast Club. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ! (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Not untrue. Yeah, that's not. I I I do love the final shot though. It's the long shot of the wide shot of her standing in front of the cops and just turning Mm -hmm. around and being like, "All right, yeah, it's good. Come take me." (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like that too. It's a good yeah. movie, you know, and it, yeah. it sparks all kinds of conversation. And and I just think that, it, like we've been saying, that the way that it complicates everything and, mm-hmm. and shows nuance is just so smart. I mean, even the way that Noel, before, you know, her rapist sort of accidentally dies, when she confronts him, he's just like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, <sighs> the gaslighting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a troll. That's a troll. <laughs> no, I, I legitimately... <laughs> don't think that he considers it a rape he no, thinks because they he had sent a her that text message yeah. yeah he sent her the text message asking her over again if it had been a situation mm-hmm. where he was like i crossed a line but i don't give a shit you know yeah. it, it would be different yeah. where here it seems like he doesn't even recognize that what he did was terrible well and that's mm-hmm. what joe when joe when you said it was a systemic issue like that that is the thing like we have right. to change the way people raise children <laughs> yeah to, like make this better yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I don't know. It's a smart movie. And there are just little moments in here that I really like, too. I mean, after she's raped, when she dives into the pool to kind mm-hmm. of cleanse herself, oh, I do there's like another that. scene later in the movie where she's swimming in the pool and she's just elated and so happy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, instead of it cleansing her of this horrible trauma, it's she's being like rejuvenated by it. You know, yeah. Yeah. it's like a, a lot weird. of smart writing. Yeah. Like a baptism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And as someone who worked in an art and design institution for a number of years, uh, if people think that the scenes where her fellow students talk shit about her first piece of work and then lavish (laughs) eloquent braise on her for the second one, (laughs) and that fucking teacher goes, who are you and what have you done in Noel? It's like, yeah, no, it's actually like that. It's called critique uh-huh. and it's nonsense. Well, yeah. <laughs> actually, because it isn't like the first art scene we have where they're all like pissing on her on her shit. Yes. Yeah. They're really going into what is was this your intent again, which is going mm-hmm. into the mode of like, well, do we have to know the artist's intent to, for the piece to be successful? <laughs> well, and even they say like there's no there's no emotion to it. And you're just like, Oh, I will give you fucking emotion. You will feel emotion before this movie is over. <laughs> 
<laughs> but also that second piece of art that she does put up is really fucking gangbusters. Right. It is really good. All of them it really is. Really good. But they hired but it a professional. Actually is much better. It yeah, is actually they, much better. They, they hired a professional artist to create those. Yeah, you you can yeah. tell because that is yeah. not like I because I hate it whenever we get things like oh they're a genius they're they're fantastic at this thing and you you know you listen to them play or you watch right. them change or something you know like this looks like a child did it what are we doing, <laughs> oh, yeah. they, doing they, they need to just not show the thing they are hyping up so much yes, because exactly. nothing is going to live up to what no. they have promised already. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I also really, really liked this movie. I'm so glad that you picked it. And, and you know, for one thing, we got Ariel to watch it finally. I'd been telling her hey. it was good. But <laughs> we it, forced it, a woman it, to watch a rape revenge film. I gotta say, when I first started podcasting, I would go, I was like, I basically did a tour of guest spots, and every single one was there, like, we gotta, we're gonna talk about rape revenge. We gotta get a girl oh, on here. No. So, oh my God. this is my area of expertise. <laughs> Hopefully, you're running out of rape revenge films to talk about. I was gonna say, when you I looked think? at the list, I was like, okay, what are the movies that are gonna spark some really interesting conversation? And I was like, oh, okay, well, they have done one. a lot of the rape revenge films. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had done this one, and I'm glad we did lately. it. <laughs> Which is such a weird thing to stay, say, but I stand mm-hmm. by it. Yeah. I, there's interesting stories being told in this genre yes. that, like, speak in a contemporary way about real systemic stuff that mm-hmm. I think is great. I think it's really great and important. Yeah. Which is funny when it could it started with something like, you know, I spit on your grave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even from schlocky exploitation can come good things. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Had a really cool evolution. I feel like you just wrote a new t-shirt for your show. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Okay, great. Any other last thoughts? Anything that you didn't get to touch on that you wanted to touch on? I know you guys have been so generous with your time. I I don't want to keep you for much longer. You're fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just want to say that I I think that Eastwood is probably the most perfect casting choice that they mm-hmm. could have made because her eyes are giant. Right? So yes. it's yes. really, really easy to just kind of be like, she's so innocent and I want to protect her and vulnerable. And I know, you know, we talked about the deliberate casting in Promising Young Woman. I feel like mm-hmm. this is very savvy. Like it is easy mm-hmm. to get on side with Noelle, even when she's right. doing horrendous things. What's interesting is those big doe eyes mm-hmm. later, like, lend themselves to – there's moments where she's like, she would happily eat you. Yes. You believe yeah, that. there's a fierceness to the way mm-hmm. she looks mm-hmm. at, at people later on. Yeah. She gets just... off, like, Jennifer's body vibes to oh, me. Yes. Well, I can and see it's that. Just, it, it is – like you said, like, it is kind of – I find it very fun to watch her come into her own. It, mm-hmm. it yes. really is the moment with that awful uh, uh, faculty lady where mm-hmm. that's the moment where she sits down. She, it, it is the most confident she has had in the movie mm-hmm. so far. And she's like, there haven't been any reported rapes in the past year. <laughs> Mm-hmm. She just owns that room when she sits down, you know. Nice <laughs> shoes. Oh, they were they were nice shoes. They were so <laughs> <good>. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, for those of you at home, maybe you have some thoughts about MFA. If you've watched this, I guarantee you have them. If you'd like to share them, you can always drop us a line at rachelzombiegirls.com or head over to our Zombie Girls Facebook page and hit us up in the DMs there or on Instagram and 
Twitter at CG Podcast Plural. If you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight, you should check out our video on demand and streaming calendar where we keep track of all the spooky doings that are happening on all the various, various streaming services, um, <laughs> including the new one, Screenbox. And if you love us and want to support us, you can always do that by rating and reviewing the show or supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombie girls. All right, that's our plugs. Let's get to the important ones. Tell us again where we can find horror queers, where they can follow you on social media media all that good stuff sounds good yes we have a new episode of horror queers that comes out every wednesday and you can get that anywhere you get your podcast if you want to follow the social media for that you can find us at horror queers on twitter and instagram we do also have a facebook page lots of good fun sort of memes and other action there and if you want to follow trace he is at trace d thurman and i am at b stole my remote and that's the letter b awesome also, queerhorrormovies.com. There we go. Awesome. Well, this has been so much fun. You guys are amazing. We were so excited to have you on, and we knew it would be fun, but I don't know. I, this is even better than I thought it would be. And <laughs> like I said, you guys have been so generous with your time. We really, really appreciate it. And we hope to have you on again someday when you guys are not too busy being fabulous. And, <laughs> and, and, oh, good. <laughs> Yeah, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for for giving us your time. We really appreciate it, and this was a re- this was really fun. So, yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you all so much, and I trust we feel the same. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that note, I guess Ariel, um, you want to take us out? Yeah. So we usually announce what we're going to be doing on our next episode at the end of every episode, but Rachel and I have some things in the works, and we're not exactly sure what we're going to be covering. So we will announce on social media and our Discord. Until then, this has been another episode of the More Deadly Podcast. Thanks for listening to our review of MFA with the guys from Horror Queers. Thank you so much for being here, Joe and Trace. We really appreciate it. And we will see you back here in two weeks, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks to everyone for listening. And thanks to my co-host, Ariel, who's always willing to come on here and geek out about horror with me. And finally, thanks to the women who make the horror films we love so much. Production of this episode was done by yours truly. Editing was done by Ariel Missman Rucker. And our theme song, More Deadly, was by Elizabeth Kyle and Eric Newell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode. Ah, oh, that was so much fun, Ariel. That was so much fun. I was telling you before the show, but I was really nervous about that one just because. I've been listening to them for a while and yeah. they're kind of, you know, have this really big platform, this big podcast. And I just respect how much effort they put into their show. And I was mm-hmm. like, Ooh. but they were so kind and generous with their time and they were so much fun to talk to. I think we had a really yes. good conversation about the movie. Yes. Yeah. Hard conversation, but an interesting one. And, and like, whoa, did you hear that? No. Can you, what? Can you, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I heard like my my headphones did a weird noise. Oh. I think there's a ghost in the machine today. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I know, right. I mean, by the time people listen to this, they will not know how much like technology drama we had today. <laughs> it was it was too much personality for the internet to handle on one place, <laughs> On one call. Yeah. Um, we went through 
uh, three calls on two different recording services. <laughs> Thank God I have like a bunch of accounts from trying all these things. I was able to be like, hold on, let me send a new one. Oh, but I know. It actually, so that was cool pretty smooth it. on your part. <laughs> was it? Were you impressed? I was impressed at how quickly you got that together. Yes. <laughs> I was like, like the second time that it crashed on us, I was like, oh no, I'm jettison. I got to go. Like, let's make. So I immediately logged into Zencaster and was like, new link. Let's try this. <laughs> and you know what? It worked. God, it worked. I'm. T- yeah. Hope, fingers crossed, nothing happened to that old recording because that was such a great, great conversation we had. Yeah, I think it really was. It was a lot of They're fun. Funny. I they know. Yep. 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 It's always nice when you like you can tell that they're very comfortable what they're doing, but like when you feel comfortable also, like everybody can just like vibe and yeah. there isn't like awkward pauses. Like they had no trouble jumping. <laughs> That's in. the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was fun. That was really fun. And the movie, I'm, I'm so glad you liked it, you know, because yeah, it's such an interesting film. I got to tell you watching MFA and promising young woman back to back on the same evening was not maybe the wisest choice I've ever made, but I really, yeah, I enjoyed so much of that movie. And like we were saying, it's not perfect, but it's really good. And it has such interesting things to say. And it, you know, talks about things in a different way um, than other rape revenge movies I've seen. So I hope I wasn't too harsh with my opinions of Promising Young Woman. I feel bad because they like, they liked it. And I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) I know I felt a little bit that way too. And actually that's the thing is I can understand why you would like that movie. That's it's complicated, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's, I liked 90% of that movie. Yeah. I mean, I had complicated feelings throughout, but like the bubblegum aesthetic did really appeal to me. 100%. It looks so good. The acting is so good. And it's so interesting how they cast all these like, you know, guys in movies where they're sort of like the funny, nice one, you know, Mm -hmm. and then turn that on you. I really, I mean, that was really interesting. there's, There's a lot there to unpack and like, like the, the scene with the lawyer is so incredible. Yes. It's so oh, incredible. And that's part, I think part of why I'm so mad about it is because I want to love it so bad. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, I felt that way too. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, anyway. <laughs> the final beats kind of didn't do it for me. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It's a tough one. You know, like it's, I think it's intentional, but I also, I feel like the, in like the takeaway is very muddy, but not in a way like oh this is complicated but in a way of like i think that's what she was maybe trying for is that you know she wouldn't this woman wouldn't actually have been able to succeed at doing this kind of revenge in a situation like she was in and things are messy and complicated and you don't get justice the way you want to get justice for me i think the part where that falls apart is actually the cops coming at the end like we're told Mm. this whole movie how like systemically nobody can help you right Mm -hmm. that nothing works the system is broken but in the Mm. end she uses that same system to get justice on these rich white men like mm, please Mm, yeah that's a really good point then the winky face was really irritating like it felt like a like somebody spit in my face i was so (laughs) bad at that winky face (laughs) yeah i mean i don't particularly like rape revenge movies where the woman dies in the end especially in such a long sequence like we had to watch with this one. But I think that I maybe could have gotten on board with having a nihilistic, really dark ending about how unfair this world is and how it, you know, treats women, how disposable women can be. Um, 
but I feel like the actual ending of the movie really undid any of that. And so you're just left with mm. having to watch this horrible scene of her murder and burning her bones. And then you get this like tacked on thing that doesn't really work. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. I could go on about it. Anyways, I was pretty, yes. pretty mad last night. So Which one <laughs> would you rather watch on. again? Would you rather watch uh, Promising Young Woman or Halloween Kills again? Oh, fuck, Rachel. I thought you were going to say your MFA. No, <laughs> okay. no, I mean, like, because those are my two, like, movies that made me the most Shit. angry in recent years. Yeah.